Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. Sorry about that uh, two-second pause between the shows, uh, but uh, the, the show previous to us, Underrun, by Underrun, Adelaide. we're discussing this. We did, um, apparently, um, Natalie had a sound effect of a creaking door that we're considering putting on. Uh, sure, I mean oh, yeah. that's fine. We, uh, just so you know that that we started bang on twelve. Um, they were a little bit before when finishing their show. If anything, we overrun. Uh, that's our <laughs> seal of uh, our, our seal of guarantee. Approval. Always on time. Uh, no, not always. Not always. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm very near the mark today. I've got that awful corpse sweat that you get when you're in Edinburgh, <laughs> when you're not hot but you're just sort of. Yeah. Is corpse sweat an actual phrase or is that something I've made no, up? No, it's a phrase. Is it a phrase? Yeah. So I think it's from corpses, right? You know, that's yeah, when corpses uh, go to the gym <laughs> and they get the real sweat on. You've been in the gym this morning, then? No. No? Okay. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no, not today. Um, but um, <laughs> um, uh, my, na- my name's Nick. And my name's Nathaniel McFarland. <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening to Five Star Family Fun Club Fan Club. Club. Rice Club. Rice Club. That was yeah. a big hit. We big hit Rice Club. People loved Rice Club. <laughs> people fucking loved Rice Club. It turned Club. out, we thought we were having a little joke. It turns out it's actually people prefer it people, to what we, people what prefer to what we normally about. talk about. Yeah, I know. Um, it's weird. You can't plan these things. No. But maybe we should just do a show about rice now. Oh, well, I think that's it. Is there, a, is there is anyone already doing a show about rice on Fuba? No? No. Oh. That's a gap. Yeah. Uh, she hasn't confirmed that it's, it'd be wanted, but... Well, we can just uh, we can break away. Um, yeah, sure. What did, we, what, did, what did we get to, though? What, what, was, the, what was our findings? Oh. Our findings on rice? Yeah. Uh, you like we you, all. Everyone likes rice. Everyone like, well, I was. I was struggling. I, I. I was having an issue about what rice I should have at things. And you said I can basically have whatever rice I like. Cause it's on the menu. Yeah, if it's on the menu, you can have it. Yeah, I know. I just sort of sometimes think there's certain like wines. I always think am I supposed to have a certain thing? Yeah, but fucking just drink what you like. You Thanks, know, Nick. if you if you want white wine and you're eating steak, have white wine. Anyone that's going to judge you on that is just better than you. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so have you ever been to a restaurant where there's been a sommelier? Yeah, loads, mate. No, I've been once. Didn't Fucking like it. hell, didn't like it. Um, Hated it. Well, it's it sort of a sommelier. Uh, it was the guy that collects trays at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've been to <laughs> loads of places with a sommelier. I I heard I heard a story uh, from a sommelier the other week. Um, uh, I was eating in a Restaurant. I probably shouldn't say which one. Yeah, but it's it, kind of well, it wasn't wasn't Pizza Hut. Um, it wasn't Pizza Hut. No, it, it, it was it was a nice restaurant. I was out with my friend Joe Costa, who's oh, been yeah. a guest on Fan Club. Nice and, boy. Uh, nice boy. Lovely boy. Uh, he's got um, an album out uh, called uh, his 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 act's called Beg Friend. Mm-hmm. Really good album. Really. Good. Oh, it's an EP. Uh, and I went to see him live, and he was he's amazing. Um, so if you're listening to this. Uh, former fan club member, uh, well, current fan club member, yeah, former once guest. In the club. Uh, once you're in a club, you can't get out of the club mm, unless we expunge them from have the you club. Seen, have you seen that Aeros? <laughs> have you seen that Las Vegas had for uh, online? What about going to Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and it's all like all like showing 
showing about like all the good things that you, all the great things that you can do in Las Vegas. I've been to Las Vegas, and right. it was literally like visiting hell. <laughs> I, it was. I was with my girlfriend at the time. We were holding hands, walking down the road, and I was repeated. We were both repeatedly fl- flyered for prostitutes. Oh, okay. And so uh, like Edinburgh. Uh, so it's like Edinburgh, only, um, <laughs> and it's not the free fringe. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was just it was just hot, and the sky was dark, and you could smoke everywhere, and um, yeah, it was just sort of like, it felt like it was close to going. It was like being at um, Pleasure Island in Pinocchio. It's fucking. <laughs> We were all jackasses. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the, so, so yeah, there's this advert online for Las Vegas, and Aerosmith come on, and uh, and he says... Um, Stephen Tyler. Stephen Tyler. So the phrase is, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, but he says something that's not that. I can't remember. I'm oh, sorry. I've, I've forgotten what I was saying. Halfway through, this is a fan club first. He was like saying, um, uh, "What you do in Vegas, you only do in Vegas," and it's kind of like. But he says it. Just to, do the phrase. He says it to the crowd, and then the whole crowd chant it back at him, and it's just kind of like, "How did everybody know this wrong phrasing of this famous phrase?" It was. Kind of, it, was it was really weird. Anyway, um, so I was out with uh, Jace Costa. We were having a, um, a meal, and then the guy, the waiter, came over, and he said that he used to be a sommelier. He used to work at, um, at like this posh restaurant, and we were like, All "Right." And he said that uh, Nicolas Cage came in, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Nicolas Cage was like, um, "Don't let me spend loads of money on wine because uh, I haven't got a lot of money at the moment." Right? That's a good thing for him to have said, though. So he said, it shows a good level of, um, you know, self, self. Uh, yeah, but he's self not, understanding and he's, self. <laughs> He's not talking about buying seven ninety nine Yellowtail, right? He's talking about. No, he's saying, "Don't let me get like a five hundred bottle, five hundred quid bottle of wine." No, or he's like saying, "Don't let me get a ten thousand bottle of wine." Okay, all right. So they were selling him the eight hundred bottle, the eight hundred pound bottle. Of wine. If someone spilt some on a table, would you slurp it up? I would do that with anything. <laughs> I'd do that with ketchup. <laughs> so. Um, so he was like, so there you go. And, and the sommelier is kind of like, right, I'm not going to let him spend too much. So then what's the limit then? How do you know in your head what you... I don't know, but he bought like three bottles of like 700, 800, uh, I guess, uh, pound bottles of wine. And then is it, would it be cheeky to go, is that too much? Or would he be like, no, obviously, that's fine. No, I think that's fine. But then the sommelier's boss was going, why are you giving him the cheap shit? Why aren't you pushing the stuff? And he was like going, because he said he didn't want to spend that much money. He said he didn't, he said he didn't want to spend I'm that sorry, much money. I'm sorry, so it's a restaurant where an $800 bottle of wine is a, the a cheap, cheap, cheap one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Sorry. I mean, um, there's, a threshold, beyond, beyond there's, a, there's a threshold that uh, you haven't passed yet. Yeah, nah. the uh, thresher's hold. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, right, so he was spending, so he bought like these, he bought three bottles of £800 uh, wine. I'm not paying seventeen <coughs> And the sommelier was really kind of like, I don't understand why uh, you haven't pushed this uh, uh, yeah. more. And uh, the, the boss was saying, I don't know if I understand. He was like, he didn't want to spend that much money. And then he leaves and he goes next door uh, to the adjoining hotel. 
and he he orders a 25 centiliter shot of cognac uh, from something like 1820 and it cost three and a half grand. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Three and a half grand for a shot. <laughs> I know I know you're not meant to drink cognac as a shot, but I'm an animal. <laughs> but the, I find that stuff like I just can't okay. get my head around. So the, it. so the boss was just like, What I fucking told you we could have fucking rinsed him. <laughs> but that's the story. I mean, that's uh I find like that kind of amount of money on wine. I can't get my head around it, do you know what I mean? I can't sort of I don't know if I could ever justify it. Um, I suppose if you, yeah, I suppose if you had Nicholas Cage's money, although he doesn't have it either, he doesn't have it. <laughs> but um, but like John, Johnny Depp's money, yeah, I suppose he spends lots on. What was he spending? Like a hundred grand on wine a month? Yeah, he was doing that kind of thing, wasn't he? <laughs> That's how you do it. It's not like you're buying. It's not I like you're buying like crates of. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hundred grand's worth of this one, please. Oh, can I have? Uh, <laughs> mm, can I have uh, five thousand bottles of Jacob's Creep Merlot, please? <laughs> he's not. He's not doing that. He's he's buying. Probably like, good. Good for him. Yeah, good Just for him. Good stop. For him. Uh, it makes you. It's too much. It makes you less worried to think if you're spending a hundred grand on wine. You know you're just thinking. Do you know what? He's he's probably buying what ten bottles of wine. And you go, oh, right. If you earn past a certain point... He's not buying 10 bottles of wine. (laughs) It's somewhere between the two, isn't it? If you're you're super rich and you earn millions... Actually, though, I suppose wine is one of the few things you can kind of have as a bit of a treat at that level. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I think that that's one of the the things, I suppose, where if you were rich, um, it's one of the things that, unless you were rich, you would... Maybe Just, try once in a lifetime, if that, mm-hmm. you know. If you were had a weird weekend and you ended up staying in a nice hotel that you had been put up, you know, your accommodation had fallen through, and then the, as an apology, they'd put you up in some weird, uh, uh, super te- nice, yeah, super nice hotel, and you were accidentally sat next to a, a billionaire, and they took a shine into you know. And then they said, hey, have a glass of this wine. And you try it and you go, this wine's really nice. And then they say, yeah, that glass cost a billion dollars. And the wine in it, even more. (laughs) (laughs) That's really weird that you bring this glass everywhere with you. Because, yeah, that costs a billion dollars. I don't leave it anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So I think, you know, but, um, but if you were rich, it'd be like one of the few things that you could spend money on that would kind of like really yeah. be... Do, do, do you know what? what I've talked myself into it. I'd absolutely do that. What else would there be? <laughs> yeah, if I was earning you'd that kind of money. get a security guard. That's yeah. something that you'd only get if you were really, really rich. But Because you could go around the uh, table and go, um, oh, does anyone else want this really nice bottle of wine? Yeah. I mean, how much, how much, better, how much more comfier sofa could you get if you were rich? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not really. Only I mean, a little bit more. Um, but yeah, you could definitely get loads of barbed wire and put it around your house. Not That's that, what I'd do if I was rich. Not that I assume it's not that he's super rich, but someone who's fairly well off. I remember reading in his book, Steve Coogan's book. He said that one of the things he has that his sort of big thing of having money, he doesn't really know often how to spend money. And the thing he always does is he's like, I've got enough money that every time I go to a restaurant with anyone. I pay the bill 
And I always think that's quite a nice level. And it's just a thing he always does where he'll always be the one that whenever he goes out with anyone or of a group or something, his thing is always like, I'll get this. And that's the level of um, fame and wealth he is. And I always thought that's quite a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Like you just go, I can afford that. There's not going to be a thing where I'm going to, unless he goes out for a meal with Nicolas Cage. Probably. <laughs> He's probably going to go, oh, fucking hell. No, I think he'd probably <laughs> be all right. I think he'd probably have to foot the bill. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, actually, probably would because Nicolas Cage would probably. <laughs> He's probably spent it on a Welsh island. <laughs> Are there islands around Wales? Uh, there may be. Could be. It's hmm. on the coast, isn't it? There you go. Um, if you had to pick a pasta, which would it be? Uh, oh, I quite like what the bow ties. Are they? Um, I can never remember which is which. Is that uh, um, farfowl? Um, a farfowl. Sure. A farfowl? Yeah, farfowl. But I think... Farfally? Farfowl. Farfally. Farfally. Farfowl? Uh, I think it's... Farfowl. The fact that you described them as bow ties, uh, that really nails it. Yeah. Does it make me look... Um, what those uh, ones that are shaped like uh, uh, little little, uh, little satins uh, and then there's sort of like some astronaut ones? <laughs> Uh, space shape pasta. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, yours. that's my favourite pasta. Good one. Yeah, Good yeah. yeah, that's the one. What are the, um, what's the uh, what's the pasta that's shaped like uh, little cock and balls? <laughs> can I uh, can I get that? I've seen it. <laughs> you know, um, uh, bolognese. <laughs> I'll have uh, cock and balls, a bolognese, uh, please. Have you got a favourite pasta? With plenty shape? of parmesan. Uh, have I got a favourite pasta shape? Mm. My favourite, I think, is linguine, which is sort of like flat spaghetti. Flat spaghetti, yeah. Uh, no, it's not tagliatelle. No, it's linguine. Tagliatelle is different. Yeah, there's somewhere I struggle to... Because there's also spag- spaghettini that's like thinner spaghetti, right? Oh, right. Well, I think spaghetti's thin enough, isn't it? Why do you want it even thinner? Even thinner. Um, I like. I don't like it. Either, there's another one though that's sort of like got frills down it. It's like this long strip, like tagliatelle, but it's mm-hmm. got frills down the side. And I always think it looks like a tuxedo, uh, like a like a dress shirt. Okay, I can't picture it. Like a seventies tuxedo. Yeah, shirt no, I understand that the, the yeah, like a the sort of shirt, not the actual tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah, shirt yeah, that you'd yeah. wear under a tuxedo, like a, a, a rippled, like mm. um, you know, like a, a rippled frills. crisp frills, like uh, McCoy's. Sort of like a McCoy's. No, not really like a McCoy's. Like a frilled shirt that you'd wear under a tuxedo. Like a tuxedo shirt. Oh, I can't Like the front of a tuxedo shirt. Oh, I think I can see it. Yeah, I think I can see it. You know. Like like the frills. Like a 70s. 70s tuxedo shirt. Like uh, a kind of thing that um, uh, Jimi Hendrix might wear. Sure, but done all the way up to the top. Okay. And frilled. Frills. Yeah, down the side. This is a flat bit down the centre. Is that farfowl? Frills up the side. Farfowl? That's, um, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I quite like that one. I don't know if I've ever had that one. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Do you know why? I've never had it. No, do you know why it's good? Why is it good? Because of the frills. Uh, do you know why I, I like my pasta? Do you know why the frills? No frills. So why are the frills important? Because uh, they hold a bit of a sauce. Oh, my God. You knew. What do you think I am? <laughs> You've just described your favourite pasta as the bow tie one. And then I said a papal. But mind you, do you know what bow, that bow tie would go well with? 
the I frills found. on the, uh, they were, on the yeah, tuxedo yeah. jacket, tuxedo shirt. But I do, I think they all do have their own little, they all have their um, pluses and minuses, don't they? That's what I like about the cock and balls, because the balls really hold a lot of sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Pasta shells. And you can kind of like, oh, I mean... More than usual. I mean, if you got the cock and ball pasta stuff, you can guzzle like <laughs> hundreds of them in one sitting, rather than you know the slog that it normally is. I've told that. Yeah, I definitely have told that story about Paul McCartney's Christmas dinner, and I. No. Paul and Linda McCartney. Did you McCartney. say it to me? Or did he said it. He said oh it, yeah, he yeah. Natalie's nodding. She's heard it a lot. Never mind. Never mind. The shells I like. I like the shells. Um, I like. My, uh, do you know what? There's very few I don't like. The spaghettini I'm not a big fan of because I think it doesn't. Re- it's too thin that you almost just get clumps of clumps of it, and it doesn't really hold a sauce. I like a spaghetti, like a regular spaghetti. Can I just hold you there? There are a hundred islands or islets around the coast of Wales, oh. as you were. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's the thinner ones that I don't really care for. Everything else I'm a big fan of. The, the, what are the tubes? The tubes. Tubes, macaroni. Oh yeah, of course that's macaroni. Or yeah, penne. Yeah. Penne. That's what I'm thinking of. Mm. Uh, if uh, I was to own a restaurant, yeah. Uh, if you were to own a spaghetti, a pasta restaurant, what yeah. would you call it? Penne for your thoughts. <laughs> In for a penne. In for a penne. Uh, or pasta buck. <laughs> that's good. Pasta buck. Um, farfal and away. <laughs> Um, um, lasagna rest. Don't get that one. And the rest. And the rest. <laughs> it's yeah. not very good. Lasagna rest, yeah. Tag you, tell you what, I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Go with that. Go with that. Go with that one, that's good. Uh, you tag your telly, you get it in those, you get those in like balls, don't you? Uh, yeah, you do. You yeah. get them in balls. Uh, uh, yeah. You have to boil some you, balls. The cock is made out of. Uh, Tape together spaghetti, spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, that's how strands. I do it. That's how I do it. <laughs> Get with a bit another, of tape with another ball on the top. Yeah, uh, three balls. <laughs> you got two balls that re- two represent balls the actual balls, and then one other ball that represents uh, the uh, penis tip. So <laughs> Johnny Depp spends thirty thousand dollars a month on wine and owns seventy five owns a seventy five million town in France. So how do you own a town? Don't don't people live there? <laughs> Depp said that Chateau Calonsiegue, a a sauna steffe uh a steff, I don't know how to I mean, third growth was his top wine. Right, cool. He also name-checked Domaine de la Romani Conti as one of his favourite Burgundy estates and said, with those wines, you reach Nirvana. Fucking hell. Okay. Just play an album, innit? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's good enough. Is this all right? Is this all right? Are we doing it? We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Uh, 19 minutes of nothing. It'll do. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> It'll do. That'll do, pig. How do you... That'll like, do. Um, I don't really thing. know you own a town. How do you own a town? Uh, I own this town. They own a town. Like, uh, so Kim Basinger... Uh, Owns a town? She was uh, she was set to star in Boxing Helena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when she pulled out, 
uh, she got sued and she had to let go of the town that she owned uh, in order to <laughs> pay, pay off. She owned a town in America. Or she was oh, the mayor. Wow. Of, I don't think she was the mayor of the town, but she was in... This is like, what, mid-90s? Yeah. So she was... I didn't know you could own a town. Mm-hmm. Wow, and I've got an ambition. I guess you did. Um, here's the thing. Um, did you know, right, so I, I, I've watched the thing about, you know, you know Rugrats? Yeah, yeah, the, the uh, cartoon. No. What's that? <laughs> yeah, the cartoon. <laughs> so, um, so Rugrats. Right, so apparently all of the people that created Rugrats, no, none of them got on with each other. So they were the creators that did it. And it was based on the fact that um, the woman that created it was pregnant. And then there was the writer, which was a guy, and he was just like, oh, I think it should be kind of like they're adults in babies' bodies. And she wanted them to be babies. So no one got on. But it just reminded me of... Um, that, that's why they stopped making it, because it was just like... It's too they much. all hated each other. But um, but there was a thing. So there was Tommy Pickles, and yes. then there was Chucky, right? Yeah. And I think the woman that did the voice of Tommy did the voice of Babe in, okay. in the first Babe movie. And when they made Babe Pig in the city, she asked for too much money. And the woman that did the voice of Chucky said, I can do that. <laughs> and undercut her. <laughs> do you remember hearing this? No, but I like that idea. Because imagine them having to be back on the set of that I one. I know, wouldn't it be fucking awkward? Yeah. I mean, my, they might not record together, but it was like... And they, and I kept thinking about it like they're in trailers. and They're, they're not in trailers. No. They're in a sound booth. But, um, but isn't that fucking awkward? <laughs> I can do that. I'll do it cheaper. But they'd probably even go, uh, yeah, I might actually try and get a bit more money for the second one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know what I'd do? I'd ask for... I'd say definitely. What, you get paid for the first one? Five million? I'd ask for 25 million. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be getting paid five million to do, babe. No, they wouldn't be getting paid five million. How much do you think? Oh, it's a voiceover job. They what, probably got what did decent. James Cromwell get paid? He got paid 100 grand? Yeah, something like that, 100 grand. And so if you're doing the voiceover of babe, you're getting paid five grand? Five grand. Ten grand? Something it's like, like a couple that, yeah. of days in the in the booth, and when they get called back, that's their that's their opportunity to go. Oh, now I'm needed. So uh, actually, I'll have a, I'll put that on to my agent, and you can uh, bump that up a bit. Say I'll say I'm thinking about it. If I if it was me, <laughs> you know, you know, like spies in disguise, and it's got Will Smith in it. Yeah, but you don't ever see Will Smith. So what I would do is I'd get a Will Smith impersonator to do it. Yeah. And then I would just say it was Will Smith. <laughs> but you could get that one who's on all those lookalike shows here. And he'd be like, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> He's just a bloke from like Croydon or Not something. Not a lookalike. <laughs> Not a lookalike. That would be... A Will Smith impersonator. Impersonator. But that's like when they do the, the, the cartoon series of the films... They rarely have the person who was doing it in the films. Well, that's the that's the thing about like uh, Ghostbusters and Garfield. Oh yeah, yeah. So when in the eighties, so Bill Murray was Peter Finkman in Ghostbusters, and then they made the real Ghostbusters, uh, which um, uh, and they got this other guy to do the voice, and then that guy that did the voice of that also did the voice of Garfield on TV in the eighties. And then later on, when they made a Garfield movie, they got Bill Murray to do it. And you go, that's genius. Yeah. That's absolutely genius. And also, you just think Bill Murray is absolutely perfect to play Garfield. Yeah. Until you hear him do it. And then you go, why has he done it like that? <laughs> he literally had to come in and be sarcastic. 
which you can, you know, he did it like um, uh, Phil Connors from the end of Groundhog Day, but he should have done it like Phil Connors from the beginning of Groundhog Day. You're right. You're right. He blew it. Um, I said, you know what, though? In hindsight, it's even weird now to think that he did it. You know, it's like, God, all the things that he turns <laughs> down and whatever. But he's like, yeah, I'll do that. You won't do Ghostbusters 3 <laughs> for 25 years. Garfield 2. But you will do Garfield 2. <laughs> yeah. But that's the payday, isn't it? That's just going, turning up, getting paid. Yeah. How much do you think he got paid for that? Five million? Loads. Loads. Yeah, like easily, I reckon. I mean, you're basically selling it on the fact that A, it's Garfield and B, it's Bill Murray. Yeah. It's a big. It's a, no even one though else he's just is, in a voice. No one else is getting paid. Jennifer, Jennifer Love Hewitt was in it, right? Yeah, he's he's a big and Brecken, selling point. Is it Brecken Meyer? Might be. I've not seen Garfield. Not seen any of them. I've not seen all of it. Can't get through it. <laughs> Fucking Brecken Meyer and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt uh, certainly put it in in a time uh, and a, a budget bracket. Yeah, yeah. So really, you're selling that film on uh, Phil Murray. <laughs> Phil Murray. But just absolutely, but I, I guess it was because he wasn't visible that um, he really went for it in the sound booth. But it's like it's too much. You kind of like, you, you kind of like, do less. Yeah, you're a lazy cat. You're not an enthusiastic cat. Come on, guys. Mm. So I mean, he says in Zombieland that he regrets that film. Uh, what's what's Garfield's favourite pasta? Lasagna. Lasagna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't know that? Every every time. Lasagna. Uh, Garfield eats so much lasagna that I imagine he would OD on it. OD the dog. Yes. Yeah, go. I had forgotten, but it's come back. Yeah. Uh, yes. John. He's a man in it, is he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's is it a John Arbuckle. Album. John Arbuckle. Wow, yeah, I don't know. I never like Garfield. I think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> Do you really? yeah, I think it's a total piece. Of um, I like, even when you look at the cartoons, it's like it's absolutely. I awful. like the cartoons, but I, I like the one on the farm. Was it Orson's farm? Orson's farm. I yeah. like that. Um, and uh, I was doing a project um, where uh, this at school. No, this was recently, and I was doing a thing, and it was sort of like based on a three-panel cartoon. Oh right? yeah, where it's kind of like set up build up punchline mm -hmm. right and I just wanted it all to be very concise so I bought some Garfield books to sort of like and fucking hell he's a sarcastic cunt <laughs> just think oh get, get lost mate yeah you don't like Mondays perhaps you could have got Bob Geldof to do his voice that would have been good as well <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I th but uh, honestly I think that the uh, the guy that did the voice uh, originally from, they should have just got him to do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. like they got Peter Cullen to do. Um, uh, is that his name? I don't know. Who's Peter? To I'm do to Megatron. Who's Peter Cullen? Oh, or Optimus Prime? Oh, see the original guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Yeah. 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 For the for the movies. So right? they, I mean, they didn't go for like the Hollywood equivalent. They just got the guy that everyone yeah. who you remember the voice from all the stuff. Who would be the ho Hollywood equivalent? It would be someone quite. Um, Stoic and It'd be like Liam Neeson. Yes, it would be like Liam Neeson. That's exactly the right kind of person. Mm. Yeah, well done. Uh, okay, so we're going to do some uh, fan mail. Yeah, might as well. Well. what button am I pressing? Uh, da -da 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 -da. Here we are. Here we go. Here we are. <laughs> Uh, now is this the town hell in Michigan is for sale it costs 60 it hosts 66 miles of hiking trails and an annual blessing oh, this isn't fan mail the town of hell Michigan is for sale 
It hosts 66 miles of hiking trails and an annual Blessing of the Bikes event. You can buy it for £900,000. That's all right, That's isn't a bargain. It? I'd love Absolute to earn a, play, a town called Hell. I'd love to, love to earn a town called Hell. Um, I'm, go- I'm going to Hell this weekend. It's just a town I own. I would uh, have sex with a prostitute in front of a midget and then paint their entire town literally red uh, and have my sordid revenge on the townsfolk there uh, after they witnessed my own lynching and didn't lift a finger to save me. I'm, of course, talking of the movie's plot of High Plains Drifter. Uh, Let's... uh, There we go. (laughs) That's that's fan club. (laughs) Well, that's fan club. Tweet uh, from Nina, Nina Coggy. Hashtag five star pasta club. Smiley face pasta. Is that is that the end of that tweet, by the way? The next line that's is someone else's. The end else's, of isn't that it? tweet. Doesn't okay. continue. Five star pasta club. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the, what's the, um, the emoji? It's there? A, sp- a bowl of spaghetti with, uh, uh, oh. I think, a fork uh, pulling a thread of spag bowl oh, out yes. of the bowl. And the red bin in the middle is red sauce. I uh, see. It's a funny-looking emoji. It's a funny-looking emoji. I'll be typing in spaghetti into my phone later to see if I can get that to come up. It will come up. Or bolognese, I'm pretty sure. Will, I'm going to write bolognese into my phone later and see if the picture comes up. It's a weird emoji, but one hell of a sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm enjoying this. Our next, our next, our next one. <laughs> All read cunts. All read cunts. All read cunts. Oh, it's fucking uh, Jeff Lynn. <laughs> 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 no, no, that, that's Jordy. All read cunts. He's uh, he's Birmingham. Birmingham. Go on, do All it. All right, cunts. It'd be more like that. <laughs> do, do it like do it like Jeff Lynn. <laughs> All right, cunts. I don't usually listen live. Soz, I usually download the podcast. But thanks for making my day brighter. <laughs> Much love, Rach. That's just a nice one. Although she did call us cunts. Already <laughs> eat cunts. Already cunts. It's Brian Johnson from ACDC. Already cunts. Don't usually listen live, soz. Usually download the podcast. But thanks for making my day that much brighter. Much love, Brian Johnson. <laughs> oh, no, it should be like this, of course. It should be... All right, cunts. Zoun usually listen live, brackets of course, so soz. So the brackets always have to be written in, uh, have to be said in Christopher Lee's voice. Who has last week? Yeah. All right, cuts. Zoun usually listen live, soz. Usually download the podcast. But thanks for making my day brighter. Much love, right? <laughs> hey, Nick and Matt, love your show and Fuba. You've got a proper read good guest on today. <laughs> Ramesh. <laughs> At some point, I'd appreciate it if you could have Mark Ruffalo on as well. Something to think about for you, Declan. Yeah, that is something to think about. Are we having a think Thanks, about that? Declan. Keep, keep the family rolling in. Can we have a think about that, Natalie? Mark Ruffalo next week? Thinking, yeah. let's try and get Mark Ruffalo in. He's got a little movie out, I think, at the moment. He has. He's got Dark Waters Dark out. Dark Waters. It's all about the environment. <laughs> That's out next week, so I should probably have it on next Friday to optimise Dark Water. Let's try and get him in like, uh, next Friday. Next Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to that next week, guys. Mark Ruffalo on Fubar Radio on Fan Club. Mark Ruffalo and Brian Johnson together again, lads. <laughs> 
Brian Johnson on the phone. Brian Johnson on the phone. First hour. Sure. Why not? I can be on the phone. I can be on the phone, man. He's here now. (laughs) I'm I'm here. When when I first saw a Rolls Royce, my dad pointed at it and he said, there's only one way you're going to get in one of them. If If you're buried in one. (laughs) It's a weird turn of events. If it it takes you to the takes you to the takes your coffin, your casket, and if you're not, well, look at me now. I got ten other cunts. (laughs) Look at me now, Dad. I'm Brian Johnson. This is Cars That Rock. <laughs> Slightly Welsh. That's weird. Do people normally get driven in a, a Rolls Royce when they die? I don't know, but it's what Brian Johnson's dad told him. He said, okay. see that Rolls Royce? There's only one way you're going to get in one of them. When you're dead, they're going to drive your coffin to the... <laughs> to the, to the same. Right, thanks, Dad. Well, why not? Well, look at me now, Dad! I've got ten of the cunts! <laughs> he's got, he's got a, a, a funny relationship with his dad, hasn't he? A difficult relationship with his dad. The weird thing is, what you might as well do is, why not just have a ride in the Rolls Royce while you're alive, and when you're dead, we'll just put you in any old car. <laughs> then you can appreciate it more. <coughs> That's what I would have done if I was um, his <laughs> dad. Hello, what's your favourite cheese and biscuit? Mine's a baby bell on a tuck. We didn't Fucking do it with the sound bed. <laughs> you could have played that before the show. Okay. Hello. What's your favourite cheese and biscuit? Mine's a baby bell on a tuck. Bobby G. Bobby G. Mine would be... Corn. what's yours? Well, do you know what? I had I had some cheese and biscuits this week, and I think they gave me food poisoning. <laughs> How? I don't know. Well, I had food poisoning after I had the cheese and biscuits. I only had three crackers worth, and it was that sort of smoked cheese you get in the sausage shape. Yeah, sure. It was that kind of thing. It was just one of them. It was sort of fine, but I think it built up a rind on it, and I think it, it, it did me no good. Had it been in your fridge for a while? No. Like a day or two. Mm. But I don't know. It just made me, I don't know what happened to it, but it did me uh, did me no good whatsoever. Well, do you know what? I was going to say, you're looking good this week, so I think it's, uh, you're looking better for it. Yeah, I think so. Um, mine, of course, would be a Cambazola on a Jacob's Cracker. Oh, we had some like Campazola, didn't we? Campazola is the nicest of all of the cheeses. It's a bit like a blue brie. Not a blue brie. Not a blue brie. But a blue a brie. A brie with threads of blue. We're always meant to go to um, Morgan's Cheese Shop, don't we? Never went. Oh, uh, we haven't been yet. No. But Campazola is obviously my favourite. Uh, so, there you go. Is that, oh, no, that's not the one that has the... What's the one that has the little bits of um, like pepper and things in it and chilli in it? Well, it's not a fucking Campazola. No. That'd be like a. I'm just trying to talk about Cambazola at the moment. Yeah, go for it. Cambazola, it's uh, it's a creamy, soft cheese, uh, so named after the camembert. It's as if a camembert mated with a gorgonzola, and the Cambazola were its offspring. <laughs> Absolutely delicious. Uh-huh. Uh, Hello, what's your favourite cheese and biscuit? I've answered this. Campazola is a cow's milk cheese that is a combination in style of a French soft-ripened triple, che- cri- triple cream cheese and Italian gorgonzola. That's kind of what you just said. I mean, it's... What, what was that there? there? Was that, it sounded like someone blew a harmonica. Have we got Bob Dylan in? I think it was a car horn. It was a, it was a, it was a, a, a car uh, beeping outside. Um... 
Right, Nick, you're an absolute mug, mate, for saying rice is nice. Pastry's the best, and anyone that says anything different can job on... Job on? <laughs> job on? Job on to Coventry and back. Uh, G Guy, Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie again. He's, he's, always, he's always emailing. Uh, well, uh, you hopefully, like, the first half of uh, today's first hour... First half of today's first half... Uh, which uh, we talked about pasta. So, gee, Richie, if that is your real name, uh, you can job on to Coventry and back. Yes. Yes. Absolutely love that. Hi. Hi, Nick and Nathaniel Metcalf. Well done. I just saw Parasite last night, and it absolutely deserves the hype it's getting because I thought it was phenomenal. I'm struggling to think of another film that is as funny as it is shocking. Do you have any suggestions? Cheers, Lewis. Yeah. Well, actually, I think uh, Parasite... Did you see Parasite? Have you seen I haven't it? seen it. Oh, right, OK. Um, I've I... been so fucking busy that I haven't seen anything. I know. It's no I've good. seen a couple of things, but old things. Old things, yeah. Um, what's like that? I don't think it's terribly dissimilar from a lot of his other movies. To be honest, I think he's got that. It is like that, but they're, they're often that kind of mix of so quite. Uh, what else did he do? He did Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer, and Mother, and the Host. He did the Host, yeah. Uh, so he, so he's like he's he's often mixing a lot of kind of quite funny bits with, you know, sort of more. Well, the Host is sort of like a wilder genre bender. A genre bender. It's for like sure. a family comedy, isn't it? And yeah. then all of a sudden, this huge monster turns up. The host is great. It, not the American film, The Host. It's the Korean film, The Host. Yeah. The host is absolutely fucking. It's great and really sort of like emotional as well. Yeah, I think um, that's that. But um, but like uh, if America uh, Western films when they. They tend to make sort of like a big thing about genre bending, but in actual fact, it's literally. I don't. I don't really get that. Yeah. I think it's like, well, we've got to market this to horror fans, or we've got to market this to uh, romantic comedy fans, or you know, and it's kind of like you've got to package it in a thing that's easily uh, sellable. Yeah. Whereas I find that, and I think both halves of it has to be as good as the other one. Mm. You know, it doesn't quite work if. uh, like, we, we saw that film, I think we both had a similar thing, um, what was it called, uh, Brawl on Cell Block 99, mm. that has a sort of midway sort of twist where it becomes sort of, ch- completely shifts tone and genre. And I felt that I was enjoying the first half, and I sort of felt that when it went, became more of an exploitation film, it it sort of lost something for me. So I was kind of invested more. And then by the end, it's like, it actually doesn't matter because it's like an exploitation film, it's all a bit silly. But it didn't, it didn't, it, it... It didn't wear its heart on its sleeve like that. I felt like it was kind of like a, a bit more prestigious than that. And then when you realise, oh, it's an exploitation bit. It yeah. was kind of like, it was a, I really like Brawl on Cell Block 99. Um, uh, but it's sort of like, that reminds me of Phantom Thread. Yes. Where I was just happy watching a period drama. We were talking about this the other yeah, week. Yeah. I was just happy watching a period drama about a guy that makes dresses. Yes. And I... And I I thought that that was incredible. And then when it changes up a gear, it's just like you go, oh, it's like this. And it's like, no, that's fine. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. But I could have watched another two hours of him making dresses. Absolutely. So it's kind of weird. But um, but I think that when you get into sort of foreign films, they have less of a problem with sort of like mixing up mm. genres because it's kind of like... Yeah. They're just like tools, aren't they? I think they? you've got to uh, properly invest uh, as in... It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like Top Gear, this. <laughs> they're just... Uh, but they're, they're, they're all the different genres are like tools that you can play with and you yeah. can sort of play, um, mix them up. What I, do you think of Snowpiercer? 
I like it. I do like it. I don't. I, I think some. It's one of those. Like I really liked Parasite, but the way I hear people talk about it is almost like they found it mind blowing. And I think it's a great film, but it was almost like, oh yeah, no, I sort of would have expected this from his other film. Do you know what I mean? It's much more like, it feels like the people that are coming to it completely naive of anything are the people that it's really blowing their mind. Yeah, but who are those people? I don't know. Like, it just feels like that's who's really, it feels like, oh yeah, but it's not that dissimilar from a lot of but what he's done before. Is, the host yeah, has exactly. been on terrestrial TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, t- I mean, it's great. That's it. And I don't want to. I'm not taking away from it because I think it's a, the uh, Parasite's great. But it is like a similar kind of. Uh, it's like another film by the guy that did. Like, it's like if you're watching it and it's like this guy did the host. You watch it going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that sort of. Um, you know, it's like a sort of not quite kind of Hitchcocky thriller, but it's more like. Um, I mean, the stuff it sort of feels most like now is, I guess, something like. He was kind of doing it a bit before, but I guess like a Jordan Peele film. It sort of has that sort of twisty-turny, right. but it's very character-driven. It's not like... Uh, and I think that's the big bit, isn't it? You've just got to be very good at doing the character stuff. Like, I think the best thing like that recently that we speak about a lot on here is uh, Thunder Road, which I think managed to be kind of heartbreaking and really funny with like side by side all the time yeah. in that way that you'd think that's such a hard thing to juggle and such a tightrope to walk and like every scene could be like you'd like be really laughing and then you'll be going oh god when you sort of realise the consequence of what you're laughing at a lot of the times yeah and but also when you talk about um, good acting and um, and good character work and then genre splicing you know uh, you, you can't really overlook uh, John Carpenter's The Thing that mixes perfectly science fiction and horror. Good point. So we're going to play a song now. Good point. And here it is. Fubar Radio. Hello, you absolute oh, Bell End legends. This show is the governor. I listen to it when I can, and I'm not too busted. <laughs> what, what do you think of all the storms we've had recently, Reg? Don't waste our time, Reg. The storms. The storms. Hey, uh, see my tweet the other day. Deserve more. What? I said, uh, uh, Storm Dennis. Isn't that the one that said Donald Trump had a tiny dick? But didn't didn't really do anything. <laughs> didn't, didn't really do much. Deserve more. Mm. Mm. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. I need something to do this arvo. Do you have any suggestions, Bib? Bibi. <laughs> Bibi. Bibi. <laughs> um, uh, that suggests that they're Australian. Where do you Where do you live? Australia. Probably. Uh, no, no, we don't know where she lives. She says Arvo. But I just think, doesn't, yeah, but you can have Australian people that live in London. Yeah, sure. But I, but we are in London, but we also have an international reach. I mean, I know John's listening. Mm. I hope he's I listening. think you should. I yeah. hope he's all right. Our, our one listener from America. Yeah, is he all right? You're out there, John? Um, actually, this is quite an interesting thing, and by interesting, I mean desperate. Uh, but uh, the person, uh, we're going to give out a prize uh, mm-hmm. uh, to the person that is our furthest listener. 
yeah. So uh, if you just write in and tell us where you're listening in from, this is basically the people at Fubar won't tell us how many people listen to our show. We have no idea. Uh, we ask every week, and uh, for some reason, it's a big secret. Actually, so, do we know? Have we got a? Do we know? No. It could, so so if you all just write in and tell us. If everyone if writes in, and everyone, says that everyone, I listen. everyone that listens to the show, like Spartacus. Um, if everyone writes in and says that they're listening to the show, then we'll get like uh, an idea, and then we can kind of like uh, create, create better content for you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only like this because we assume that it's <laughs> just me and Nick. It's just us. This if is we, what actually, we talk about, if we actually believed that anyone was listening, we would up our game. We would do research. <laughs> We'd certainly read up on our guests before they came on. We'd do. <laughs> I mean, Jim Cummings was the best interview purely because we spent a week watching <laughs> all of his stuff. Yeah. Everyone says it's very good. Very good. Hello, how are you? Okay, so if, what are you doing this afternoon, Beb? So I think, <laughs> I think if you're in London, go to a, go to the Natural uh, History Museum or go to the National Portrait Gallery. Uh, um, but then while you're there, you're right next to Leicester Square and Soho. So visit a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can do that anywhere. Uh, get wanked off in one of the uh, mass- massage parlours, and then go for a Chinese. Uh, <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> and by what I would do is what I will do. Afternoon. I very much enjoyed your rice chat, even though it is clearly couscous for the win. You're oh, a fucking asshole. Wayne, Wayne, you're a fucking asshole, couscous. Fucking hell. Jesus Christ, I've heard some Wayne. fucking shit in my time, but fucking couscous. Fucking hell. Oh, oh! I'm rather partial to a feast ice poppy lolly. <laughs> ice poppy lolly. I'm rather partial to a feast ice, ice poppy, poppy lolly. lolly. An ice poppy lolly. Is there an ice pop lolly that he's trying yeah, to say? I'd just say ice lolly. Oh, hang on. Reg isn't really busty, right? Reg is busy. Busy. I oh, think, yeah, now it's it. all coming clear. <laughs> right. Okay, so afternoon. I very much enjoyed your ride chat. Even though it is clearly coos coos for the wind. You're a wanker, Wayne. I'm rather partial wanker. to a feast ice poppy lolly. I've got a album. I've, going to, I've, I've put my albums, uh, my record collection in a different part of my... Flat. Oh yeah, yeah. And I rediscovered an album I had by a the maestro Wayne King. <laughs> uh, I'm rather partial to a feast ice poppy lolly. What are your favourite lollies, Solero? Um, I I like a zoom. I like. Uh, I was the. Um, I quite like. I quite like that blue one. You'll like this. That's like bubblegum flavoured. What's that one? That's just totally blue. I don't know. Okay, I like that one. I like. Uh, I do enjoy an ice lolly. I like the. I like the um, plastic cones that you used to get with the bubble gum in the bottom. Oh yes, please. And uh, the rest is ice cream. It's like mm. um, what's it? It's like raspberry ripple, isn't it? Yeah. That was that was always a good one. And um, uh, but Solero for me at the moment. But um, oh, you cannot beat a Calippo on a hot day. Oh, you can't. Problem with the Calippo is um, well, with me eating Calippo, it keeps dropping it melts. out. It melts. <laughs> It melts too much, and you spill, you spill it down your face. Do you your have that face? Yeah, do you know no, when it melts sorry. too much? So you go to drink it, and you've got to do that thing where you squeeze in the bottom to get it out. Well, then just... there'll be a point where it just melts too much, and when you do that, it just totally falls. No, just my body temperature melts it really, and uh, but I do have a hot anus, <laughs> so <laughs> so that's it's almost inedible after after. 
Almost. Almost. Come on. <laughs> Waste not, want not. We got some Valentine's some last week, and we are uh, so... Totally uh, Caribbean crashing on you. Um, oh, look, I've got a fucking... To Nick, lots of love. Question mark. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Hope you get lucky this Valentine's. Cheesy Valentine's, Valentine's card. Get, that's someone that is so in love with me that they just want me to go out and fuck someone. <laughs> just... Oh, I, I love you, Nick. Oh, I love you so much. Please, I hope you go out and have sex with someone. That's how much I love you. That's a nice thing. That's a lovely sentiment. Um, I've got one. But to be honest, because I've turned up in the same parcel, it suggests that we've both got the same Valentine. It's the same person. The oh, same person. What so they said to it, you? They said, hope you get lucky this Valentine's as well. Oh, come on. They know we're going to be right next to each other. I know. They're trying to hook us up. Oh, no. Well, it's never going to happen, guys. Hang on, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a popular, it's a popular thing, of course. Yeah, because um, like, I think there's there's probably um, websites, aren't there, that, that write uh, fan fiction about this. It was, ne- it was never going to happen. He respects me too much. <laughs> Do you want some bean boozled? <laughs> no, jelly beans. Uh, I'm I'm doing really well with my diet. Oh yeah, I don't even know if I could eat I've, these. I've only got two more weeks. These are these jelly beans that, that basically taste like snot. They basically taste of like horrible things. So one of them is. Have you got, uh, have you got a coin? I want to do my scratch milk. Card. I don't think I could do it this week. I've had. Um, have you got a coin? Have you not? Because you any feel coins? ill. I haven't got any coins. <laughs> uh, I gave them all the way to a homeless man. There you go. There's two p. Two p. Yeah, keep it. I put please. that on my head. And it's a two p. <laughs> see if we're gonna win. So you got your scratch card. I don't know how, what the rules for this. this yeah, is, we should know, shouldn't we? So we need to make sure we don't. Uh, um, um, so this afternoon, go and see Birds of Prey. Yeah, why not? Or um, why don't you listen to the... What's out this week? The big movies. Greed, the new uh, Coogan oh. film's out this week. Uh, I can't think what else is out. Um, what was the other thing I was going to mention? Yeah, we've both been given scratch cards. I've got a National Lottery Lucky Bonus one. And do we have to do a row each time? Are they, com- are they really complicated? How to play. In a row, find three symbols in the same order as displayed in the prize table to win the corresponding prize. So that's the prize table there. So I think we just... I think you basically take What's it all off, right? Table? And then see if it matches that. What's, that prize table. What's the fucking prize table? That one. Oh, so right, if they um, match that, I think, at the, oh, at the I side. See. So I've got a horseshoe, a seven, and a horseshoe. Is that one? Uh, no. Oh, man. So we're doing some scratch okay. cards. Live gambling. Although, is it gambling, technically, if you've been gifted them? No. Because this is like a... Hang on. What have I got here? Oh, I mean, I don't have any of these other symbols. I've only got pound signs and... Okay, let's... Okay. <sighs> right, have I won anything? I haven't done my bonuses yet, though. Have I've you? got nothing. None of this is even... Um... Hang on, I've got two horseshoes. And a safe? No, that's not it. I've got a key and two horseshoes. No. no. I've got a coin, a horseshoe and a stack. No. None of these are even remotely. No. I mean, like there it. are pictures on here that... No. Oh, don't even correspond I to the prize table. There, there are pictures out here that... Hang on. What's my bonus balls? So, what's... So I don't know. I've said something £2, £5. Win, win £4. I've got a thing that says wallet two pounds and one that says ruby five. Does that mean I've got five pound or two pound? And I've got what's that? Bonus find super bonus finder. What does that mean? To win a prize. Have I won it? I've got a briefcase of twenty pounds, and I've got um, finder. Oh, it's got to be a um, 
It's good don't radio, know, isn't it? I don't understand what that is. Don't really get this. Super bonus. Find a, 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 a player can win up to nine free symbols. Bonus finder. But you need that. So why do you say five pounds in it if I haven't got five pounds? I think I've got four pounds. Have you? Yeah. What have you got there? Let's have a look. I think I've won four quid, actually. That's all right. That's We've done two, all right there. That's your 2p back. Thank you. Uh, and I don't think you won two quid. Blimey. I think I almost won 20 quid, but I didn't. <laughs> we'll never be. Um... So you went to see Birds of Prey. We've <laughs> never. You went to see. What did you see? It's called Harley Quinn Birds of yeah, Prey. Yeah, when I saw it, it was called that. Harley Quinn. Because they changed the name right at the last minute. They didn't cha- they? It was changed after it came out. No. Yeah, they changed it like a week after it came out. They changed the name. No. Yeah. Because it was doing that badly. They, well, I think it was doing badly enough that people thought that was why people weren't going, or they because they didn't they were confused by it. They should have called it Suicide Squad Two. Yeah, they probably should have done. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's weird, isn't it? Oh, why would you? I mean, surely that makes it even more confusing. Because it also, it's also telling Prey, people it's not doing very well, isn't it? Birds of Prey is still in the title. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, what it essentially is, it makes more sense because it is um, a Harley Quinn film. Yeah. With with other characters in it, so it's not really a Suicide Squad film. No. It's it's a spin off, and they've done basically what they did in the comics. Is is the the main thing of it, and it makes sense to have done it. Is that it's the comics now? Um, it's very much like DC Comics' is equivalent of Deadpool. So what they're essentially doing is a Deadpool movie. Where she's breaking the fourth wall. Is she? Yeah, yeah. It's in all the like, film? Yeah, but like in a kind of probably quieter than in Deadpool. So, but she'll look to camera a bit, and she's kind of narrating the thing. Oh, really? So it's a bit more. Uh, it's a bit more in tone than something like that. It's it's R-rated. Maybe Suicide Squad was as well, was it? No. So it's got it's got Evan and Jeff in Suicide it. Suicide Squad was the reason why Suicide Squad was such a big hit was because it was um, a, a PG thirteen in America. And people could go back to it over and over again without taking their parents, and that's what they did. So I think. This whereas is... in England, um, or whereas if it's an R rating, you can be an eight-year-old, but you have to be accompanied with a parent. Right. It's okay. a PG basically. Yeah. An R rating is a PG, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Robocop is an R rating. Oh yeah, so you do, you just have to have parents with you, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. Uh, but that's in like in the in, in the fifties and sixties. Someone pointed out that in in here, the Hammer movies were X certificate that meant you had to be like I think seventeen to go and see them. And in America, they were um, essentially like PGs. You had to you could take so like loads of kids saw them. Whereas over here, they were very much for adults. Well, that's like an eighteen certificate. Mm, yeah, that's the equivalent of. But the rating system is really weird in America, where it will affect you know, the fact that you've got an R-rated superhero film and it's a success. They're so scared of R ratings, mm-hmm. where in, and it's kind of well, why? Because we have 15s and and 18s over here. Yeah. And does that affect everything that drastically? I suppose with something like that, they are they would probably be worried to do that. But I guess what it is, it's it's I think it's doing trying to do what Deadpool did essentially. Sure, but when you do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, an R8, but I mean... So, James Gunn is doing Suicide Squad 2 at the moment, mm-hmm. isn't he? And uh, that's an R rating. Okay. And they're kind of... But he's but basically, he's just going to... Do Guardians of the Galaxy again, isn't he? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because Guardians of the Galaxy is a PG-13. Oh, yeah. It's a family film. Whereas James Gunn... Is a trauma. He comes he from trauma. He comes he? from trauma. He wrote Tromeo and Juliet, and he directed... What's the... Um, 
uh, Rain Wilson film where he was oh, yeah, the wrench yeah, yeah. super. Yes. That's fucking. I mean, that's dark. You know, it's funny. I think I think it's good, but there's some absolutely grotesque. You know, and um, and that's basically what he's going to do. He's got like the Suicide Squad, and he's going to kill some of them off horrifically. Basically, there's something like thirty uh, supervillains in Suicide Squad, and most of them aren't going to make it past the yeah. opening credits. I mean, that's what they should have done in the first place, though. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I mean, uh, but so Harley Quinn is not actually in the Suicide Squad, is she? In the the sequel, in the in the comics, uh, she is now, but kind of post the movie, they kind of put her in. She wasn't really. No. The uh, but the Suicide Squad can kind of be any villains, really. It doesn't really matter. Mm. They can kind of because the idea is that they might get killed off, so they have to have a fairly high um, uh, admission rate. And is it just Batman villains, or is it DC villains? DC villains, right? Uh, Captain Boomerang is in the first Suicide Squad. So it's where's very he much from? A Flash, a Flash villain. Oh, Flash villain, right, okay. So it's all like that kind of stuff, you know. They're like, uh, so it's a mixture of baddies that just get sent out on missions. Yeah, should have been a much better film. Yeah, great, great idea, great concept. I think even without knowing anything, I've watched one Suicide Squad animated movie, and even knowing what I know, um, just I think I could have written a better one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's, well, I think it's really obvious, isn't it? I know we spoke about this, but like it is a really obvious format to do the film. Well, he's just, even, just do the film. He's even said uh, that he wishes that he'd made Joker the main villain. Yeah, of course you should have. Well, everyone, it also sold it on that as well, right? That was that whole kind of all well, they the... said the Joker was in it, but like, I, I, I don't know, but like, of course you should have done it because most of the. One of them's got a boomerang and he's fighting a witch, <laughs> and. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like. But the Joker's the one that everyone knows. It's, but it's the Joker your... doesn't have any superpowers, he's just a super villain, yeah. right? So if you're fighting the Joker, it is technically possible to win. But yeah. when you're an all powerful witch fighting a man that looks like a crocodile, and that's his only <laughs> gift, uh, he's just a bit strong. It's kind of like, then that's not a fair match. No. And there's 12 of them, and why aren't they all, you know, it's a suicide mission, they should have all died. Or like, I think, does one, does any of them, do any of them die? One of them dies right at the beginning. Right. Um, but he's not, he's the only one that's not introduced in the film. Yes, yeah. So there's kind of like, they, they, they all introduce all of the characters in Suicide Squad, like, uh, really, it takes like 45 minutes to introduce all the characters. And then after they've done all of that, one guy just turns up and he goes, hi. And they all go, hi. And then two minutes later, he's dead. <laughs> and you go, well, there was no suspense in that. You should have introduced him like everyone else. Yeah. And then when, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just such poor filmmaking. Yeah. But just, yeah, it just doesn't work on any level, really. It's rubbish. Uh, I walked out of it. But I have since seen the end. It's rubbish. It is rubbish. Um, and I'd say this Harley Quinn film, it's it's not really for me, but it's sort of fine. Better than Suicide Squad. It's not like it's um, it's it's it's, it's sort of it is it is it's it's quite it's got that it's got that same sort of aesthetic that Suicide Squad has, and you sort of really go, I don't really like this sort of very nineties kind of. It's like sure, it's like, but I'm not a big fan of Deadpool either, to be honest. And that's the nearest thing. That's its nearest comparison, I think. Sure. Well, that's weird that they've done that. Well, it's understandable that they've done that. But oh, also... totally. I get, I get it completely. Makes sense that they need. That's what they want, and and it's sort of successful in what they're trying to do. I think. I think, but it's just not unsuccessful in finding an audience for it. Mm. I think it make like it totally makes sense that they've gone. We want a bit of that. We want a, a bit of that a slice of that money. 
it's you and McGregor good? It's fine, yeah, it's fine. Mm. Uh, but again, it's one of those things where it feels a bit like, like the stylistically, aesthetically, it feels very nineties, and even, um, even the whole thing of it feels quite nineties. And Ewan McGregor's in it, and he's playing Black Mask, a villain. But of course, like because he's Ewan McGregor, McGregor, <laughs> McGregor, he spends. 90% of the movie without wearing a mask and then puts a mask on for five minutes because they went, well, oh, we can't have you wearing a mask the whole film because you're yeah. McGregor. And so it's a bit of that as well. But in the comics, like, he's always wearing a mask. Yeah, he just put the mask on, wouldn't he? He's called Black Mask. He wears a black mask. Whereas in this, it's like, at the end, it's like, I better put me black mask on then. <laughs> it's all like that. And you go, yeah, because you don't want to have him not wearing it because you've, you've cast a star. Yeah, but they did that with Oscar Isaac in X-Men Apocalypse. They put so much makeup on him, you couldn't <laughs> tell it was him. And it was kind of like... He looks like he's from, like, Lazy Town or one of those. <laughs> it's just like, but that's Oscar Isaac. Yeah. It's terrible makeup it's as terrible. well. Yeah. It's so bad. That film is fucking atrocious. Oh, yeah. they are. The last couple of X-Men films are like... like As I'm watching them, I'm deleting them from my memory. Do you know what I mean? As they're happening, it's like, don't worry. D- d- delete, delete, but delete, it's, delete. It's weird, isn't it? Because Days of Future Past, I haven't seen Days of Future Past, but Days of Future Past was like a complete return to form. Brian Singer had made like, uh, Brian Singer, but, <laughs> but he'd made like this great X-Men film. And then he followed it up, or, uh, it, it felt like almost straight away. Yeah. Like there was maybe like a year in between. <laughs> yeah. And then X-Men Apocalypse came out and everyone said it's dreadful. Yeah. The only good bit in it is the bit that rips off Days of Future Past when he's doing the slow motion running. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, he's doing the fast running and he... Yeah, whatever. But, um, I don't know, it's weird. But uh, Oscar Isaac, fucking hell. Unrecognisable. Um, uh, so if you were... Uh, oh, I watched Three Amigos and oh, yeah? uh, Suspiria this week. Good double bell. Uh, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, I haven't seen Three Amigos in too long, actually. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. It's really good. I bet. I bet. Uh, it's really good. Like, um, uh, Steve Martin's good in it, and Martin Short's good in it, uh, but Chevy Chase is incredible in it. I think it's one of the few films where you actually can really tell what he's actually trying to do. Yeah. I've said this before, but I just think that I don't know, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get Chevy Chase's act. It's just like, I don't think he's particularly funny. Yes. Um, so, so I guess it's sort of like his whole attitude and he's meant to be sort of like, what, smarmy or... Yeah. He's meant to be like really suave and kind of like... Because that is it, because he is one of those people who's quite good looking and that's why you could see that uh, he was the most obvious person to become a movie star very, in a way that you go, oh yeah, he's like a good looking guy. He looks like he could, could be like a, a film star. He's very good looking. But also he does like pratfalls and stuff like that. So he's like he was really good at slapstick. But um, but he doesn't do any of that in Caddy Shack. Mm. So it's kind of like what is your? I, I, so he's like a straight man in Caddy Shack. I, I just don't. I don't get it. And then yeah. all of a sudden in um, in National Lampoon's uh, even that balance is a little bit weird. It's just like I don't know how I'm meant to feel about this character because um, he's not just like a dumb dad. Uh, taking his family out he's obsessed with this uh, woman in a red sports car and it's oh, kind yeah. of like really pervy as well <laughs> so kind of like, I don't are we meant to be like going Chevy Chase is this good looking bachelor who uh, fancies this woman in a red sports car uh, because he's sort of cheating on Beverly D'Anglo and yeah. we all that's we sort all of like, like her. 
Yeah, so it's just kind of like it's just a, it's just sort of like a. But they, re, I think they nail it with Christmas Vacation. Yeah, where he's just trying. Like, he's really he's a yeah. someone who's trying to give everyone the best Christmas. And I really get that. But then when um, uh, they did um, what's that in Three Amigos, he's playing an idiot, and you go, he's so good at this. He's like he's he's. Yeah. yeah, he's like this. Um, he's slight, slightly vain, but I think he's too—he's too dumb to be vain. Yes, yeah. So he's just kind of like, and and that is—he's like playing an idiot to. Well, they're all idiots, aren't they? But um, yeah. But Steve Martin is kind of like the guy that doesn't realise he's an idiot. I think that that again, we keep plugging this book. It's a very good book. That Wild and Crazy Guys book does suggest that um, Chevy Chase is someone who's very poor at choosing his own projects yeah and, it, and it's usually other people that are saying like he's doing someone a favor like come and do this one Chevy. you'll be good at this it's almost like he needs a third party to go this is what you should be doing well he he, he will turn down loads of other stuff and then dan Aykroyd will say can you be in nothing but trouble and he'll be yeah and then yeah. he'll instantly regret it and he'll hate doing it <laughs> and um you know i, I, I just just an odd career because it's almost like he hadn't really proven himself as a comedic actor after Saturday Night Live and he went straight into doing dramas and it's yeah. kind of like Whoa. and why the fuck did he make that dog film <laughs> it's just it's, all, it's, like, it's a mental career yeah. and you go you know he doesn't have a Ghostbusters do you know what yes, I mean yes yeah um, although I guess National uh, the, the vacation movies are um, his biggest I guess are his yeah. biggest things but it was like oh, yeah fucking crazy really but he anyway, he's so, he's so good in Three Amigos. He's better in Three Amigos than he is in any of his other films. And um, yeah, it's just a really funny film. And Suspiria, obviously. I, the, I, the thing is, um, the visuals on Suspiria. I'll wrap this up real quick, and then we'll get our guest on. But the um, the visuals on Suspiria are incredible. But the soundtrack by Goblin, if you I don't know if you took off the soundtrack. It's literally the mu- there's music and it's really sort of like pounding and kind of like really intense. But there's like this like wailing and screaming that's going all over the soundtrack. And even if it's just sort of like a picture of sort of like a blue room, yeah, um, with lightning. As soon as you hear all of that, it's just sort of like automatically intense. I want like the I saw that when I was about fifteen for the first time, and I saw it at the uh, BFI South Bank NFT one. And I saw it, and I went in, and I found it the most unsettling thing I'd ever seen. Like, straight away, I sat down to watch it, didn't really think anything, and then it was like my heart was, like, pounding in my chest, and I just felt so unsettled, and it's the music, and, like, it's like like something is wrong here. The dubbing dubbing adds to it, I think, rather than you going, fucking hell, they've they've all dubbed. It creates a world where it's you just, in your head, you're going, there's something not right about any of this. The original Suspiria, by the way. Um, yeah, it's really. Uh, yeah, I just think it's incredible. But but, I, but what the first time it occurred to me was this time was uh, was just that they would have obviously filmed it without the soundtrack. They would have filmed it without the Goblin score, and then they would have scored it after the film, maybe, or mm. maybe they'd have recorded some bits of music for him to film yeah. with. And I Sergio Leone used to get Onya Morricone to um, to score the film first. Yes. Or like write music for the film, and then he would play it on set yes, to get so the timing right. So maybe because Dario Argento and Sergio Leone were kind of like contemporaries, and they used mm. to work together. Uh, in fact, he wrote in it, that yeah. example was uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, and Dario Argento wrote that. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like 
I don't know how it would have worked, but can you just imagine just filming all of those shots without that, without the music? Without knowing it was going And then be going, there. well, we've got this film, um, a lot of it doesn't, I guess a lot of it wouldn't have worked. Mm. And then you give it to Goblin, they put the soundtrack on. And it's, it's a big sound design fucking... film, that bit where she's in the thing at the start and you've got the, the um, doors opening and closing yeah, the and airport, things and the, the airport. The airport opening is, uh, is incredible. Like, it's, it's so intense. The bit when you see the woman running through the woods yes. is fucking, it's, uh, but it's just such an intense, yeah. incredible it's just, it's just constantly telling you this isn't right and there's so much noise <laughs> yeah. and sound and then all of a sudden there's no noise yeah. and no no sound and then i just lo- i i love it oh, and i re- tremendous. i love everything about it i even love like uh you know 20 minutes before the end of the film they all of a sudden get two scientists to come in and explain what the yeah. fuck you're watching <laughs> and then it's kind of like and she sits down and says so what are witches and it's kind of like and it's, and they sort of like go well this is the theory yeah. of the, and they're both dubbed one of them is this, um, uh, is it udo, udo kier, kier. From, um, oh, we talked about this off air though. From the, uh, Brawl in Cell Block. That's 99. also fan club. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, anyway, it's, uh, it's just, the original Suspiria. The remake's fine, but I haven't really thought about it that much since I no. saw it. Good, good, good. But, um, but, the, but the, the, the original is great. Um, right, we're going to. What's your song that you're going to play? Is that, I'll guess here. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So what's the song you're going to play? The song I chose was. Oh, yeah, it was Bus Stop by the Hollies, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, hello. Um, I haven't got my headphones on. What am I doing? (laughs) Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's (laughs) fan club (laughs) on Foobar Radio. Just, just so you know, sorry about that. Um, I'm expecting a sideboard delivered in my flat, and I'm not in to obviously accept it. <laughs> they were meant to deliver it on Wednesday, and uh, then it was Thursday, and now it's today. And my friend is in the flat, but I've just realised that in doing the show, I've forgotten to um, uh, set that up with the guy that's delivering it, and uh, I think I've missed a call from him. So I'm slightly worried. I just have my phone out. Anyway, we're joined in the studio now <laughs> by Josh Barrow. Uh, you are an actor. I am. Oh, I haven't put your microphone on. Talk. I am. Hello. Yes, he's an, he's an actor. He's an actor. He's an actor. And you're currently uh, in a play I am, called yes. Time and Tide. Mm-hmm. And it's at the Park Theatre. The Park, yep. Is that uh, the Finsbury Park one? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. lovely. The park What's 90. The, where is that? It's just basically by the station now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's about two minutes walk from the station. Is it near so. the bowling alley? Yes, Rowan's it is, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Have I mean, you been to Rowan's? I haven't yet, but my, my classmate Elliot is a big fan, so I think we'll oh, yeah. probably it's, go it's at on, some It's point. on the cards. It's, yeah, it's yeah. on the cards, uh, definitely. We filmed uh, the last episode of, well, no, we the last day of filming Uncle was at Rowan's mm-hmm. and Finchley Park, and... Um, yeah, and we all went bowling afterwards. It was fun. It's really nice there. Mm. I grew up around Finchley Park. Oh, I yeah. just have never known where the theatre is, and I know loads of people that have done plays there. Mm. It's like, quite a new theatre, I think. I don't think it's been there very long. Um, yeah, so it's, it is it is quite new. But it feels like it's got like quite a good uh, pedigree already, right? Oh, of definitely. Stuff coming in. It feels like straight away, whenever you see something, it's like, oh, yeah, it's that one. It's yeah, the yeah. Park and they always, they always get like, some gr- like great... Great names attached to the theatre alley. When you go in, there's always kind of pictures of like Juliet Stevenson, Ian McKellen around everywhere. So they've got kind of big, uh, big following, big su- support from some decent names. Have you got Have you got your photo up yet? Not yet. 
Like, I'm yeah. working on it. Yeah, put, put a get. Yeah, yeah. Have someone do that. Don't yeah, yeah. make some demands. Yeah, hasn't, make some demands. Hasn't Ian McKellen been to see you? Uh, Ian McKellen hasn't, as far as I'm aware. Um, but Stephen Fry came in the other night, and he particularly enjoyed it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. did you meet him? Sorry, did you meet him? After? I did. Yes, yeah, so he came in and um, he, he came to visit the cast in the dressing room. So he had a word with her afterwards, and we got a photo. So that was. A pretty magical experience. Do you do you get told when they're in? Yes. Well, um, before. Yeah, we got told the night before because I think a lot of were were under the same kind of feeling that if we saw him in the audience, we might just stop <laughs> what we're doing right. and look at Stephen Fry for a bit. So. Do you think that that is? Um, uh, what do you prefer? Do you prefer knowing that people are there? Or not? <laughs> I always prefer <laughs> to know that there's there. an audience. <laughs> um, do you prefer knowing if like Stephen Fry's in the audience? Or I would say so. Yeah. Uh huh. Because um, I think I've, I've got. You've got time to process it. I think you've got. You've got time to be like get over the initial like. Oh my God, Stephen Fry's going to be in the audience, and then you just. You, you kind of come to terms with it, I suppose, and then you just step out and you can do your thing, but, but as opposed to s- standing on stage, seeing them for the first time yeah, and then sure. forgetting all your lines. Sure. Yeah. There's a um, there's a recording artist uh, called uh, Canton the Gang, and uh, with a K. Okay. And um, he was in the audience once, and I didn't know. Mm. And I, that threw me. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so his name's Wayne. He's from Southend. Um, it's a niche act. Yeah. But, um, it I've did, seen him. I like him a lot. Very funny. <laughs> it did throw me. Very funny. Um, so now it's, you've been doing it since. It, so the play is called Time and Tide. It is, yes. You've been doing it since. By the, James McDermott. Mm hmm. We've been doing it. Go on. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get all the info out. And you've now got. You, you're just about a week away from finishing. We so are. A week tomorrow. Yeah, week week tomorrow is the last show. So now you're in. How much is the play changing now, or is it now completely set in and you, like, even though Stephen Fry could pop in, mm-hmm. you go forget it, Stephen. Yeah. We're going to do exactly the same thing. No, no. I mean, we're, we're definitely playing with it now. I think like we're kind of got we we had our first week or so where you know how it is. We're kind of would very much doing the blocking what we've mm-hmm. been told finding just finding new things kind of reading how the audience is reacting to it and now we're at a stage now where we can i think try new things play with it keep it alive a little bit but just don't want to step out and move here and then say this at the same point as we always say it how uh how long was the rehearsal process three weeks Okay. Rehearsing at a place in Manor House, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. And so, uh, did you audition before Christmas then? Yeah, uh, I auditioned. I think it was on towards the end of November time uh, last year, and I kind of came, came onto the project. But it's uh, it's already it was already it had already kind of been uh, developed at the park as part of the script accelerator program. So um, Elliot, the guy who plays Daz in the show, he was already on board, and I auditioned with Elliot, reading with him, and um, and I think you just it was just a basic chemistry test, which for the audition, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. like a really kind of, which is a g- great way to do it. I really loved auditioning like that because. When when else do you get to audition with the audition with the actual actor that you're going to be performing with? I mean, I am awful at auditions. Mm. I just and I and I get so nervous and I hate them. Uh, but um, but I just know that when we did chemistry tests for um, Uncle, I, I'd already been cast and um, 
every time someone came in, I'd just go out of my way to make them feel comfortable. Mm. And then you get a much better performance out of them. And then you can actually get a a true test of, oh, is this person right or not? Also, um, would that make it easier? I'm not not an actor, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'd be great if I was in things, probably. But not not so much, not so much. But um, I'd say the first time, the only time I've been for an audition, I walked up and couldn't remember... Uh, what the word the word audition and so I said hi I'm here for um, those like job interviews that actors do <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get it no get fair it. enough but the process then if you're doing like a chemistry test does it also I guess that also helps that if you're doing something where you're constantly facing the possible rejection of not getting something. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a chemistry test, does that also make that process easier? Because you might just go, oh, I can see that might not work with that person or something. Yeah, I, I suppose. I think because you... I read. I re- initially read the script and I loved the character. Um, and I thought the, the story was really, really strong, really well written. Because, like I say, it was pretty much developed before we went into um, the rehearsal room. So... Um, I, I kind of had an initial idea, but even the fact that it was my first audition, I uh, went in, and that idea kind of altered a little bit, kind of bouncing off Elliot and kind of just trying new things and like, reacting off what he did and and whatnot. So, I th- and that was my first audition. So that was like already I was finding out new things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just I just think it was such a great way to do it. Mm. So you. Straight from drama school, or are you kind of? No, I'm not. Um, I'm originally from Newcastle. You can probably tell. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bit, a bit <laughs> of a twang there. Yeah, yeah. Now you said it. Yeah. Um, so I came down to London in 2017. Um, I studied in Newcastle. I did a degree, um, and then I graduated in August. And then I came down to do a show with National Youth Theatre, which was called Zigga Zaga. And that was in August of 2017. And I was very fortunate to meet the agent that I'm now with through that show. And she signed me. And it's a very, it's a very long, boring story. But uh, I ended up basically sticking around in London. And I've been working ever since. So I'm very lucky in that. That is very lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah good for mm. you. Thank you. Really good for you. Um, it's interesting what you're saying about uh, the play sort of like changing slightly like a house that's sort of like a new house that's sort of expanding and creating and stuff Um, my friend Nick Payne wrote uh, Constellations Mm -hmm. and um, we studied that in college it's a good play right yeah it's great yeah beautiful Um, so I saw it with um, uh, what's the woman out of um, that film (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. Uh, it was, no, Ray, I it was no, Ray, it's Sally. Oh, she's in uh, the shape Sally of Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. So I saw it was Sally Hawkins and Rafe Ball. Yeah. And um, uh, and I guess like the director or the writer hadn't been to see it for a while. And <laughs> Rafe Ball was on stage, and he does this thing, you know, like in the office where. Martin Freeman will look at the camera. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was doing that with the audience, but there's no obviously no <laughs> camera. Right? So he would like be breaking the fourth wall and just sort of like looking. At it and, I was like, and I went out for like uh, a drink with Nick, and I was just like, oh, it's really interesting that he breaks the fourth wall. And he was just like, oh, is he doing that again? <laughs> <laughs> so he had to keep coming in and raining him in. So stop breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> it was such an odd thing to do because it's the sort of thing that you will see in one of those kind mm. of like documentaries sitcoms mm. where they're like uh, weird really weird 
weird decision. But yeah, that's the, that's interesting that it all changes over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so was this something that you were always destined to do? Is this all you've ever wanted to do? Um, well, I never really know how to answer this question when people ask us it. Because I used to, uh, when I was a kid, I loved films. And I used to write film reviews when I was about 11 or 12. And... Um, I used to write f- uh, for. I used to be a youth film critic for a uh, local website called My Cramlinton, um, and and then so that uh, through that I kind of started watching more films, more film, more film. I started watching it, and I was like, "This is really good. Why is this really good? Because the people in it are really good." So then, uh, and I wanted to do. Uh, so I decided I wanted to do drama for GCSE, and uh, so I did. And then I joined a local theatre group in my hometown, Blythe, called the Phoenix Theatre. And I think it was from then, really, I was just like, this is everything that I want to do. And because I, I also write as well, so if I can like balance the, writing and the, I acting. I think that, that is yeah. the key. If you can mm-hmm. write, if you want to be an actor and you can write, yeah. then you're never going to kind of like be sat there waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you've always got something to be getting on with. That's and it. you can always take your... Um, uh, your career in your own hands, but if you can, if you just act, then you're kind of at the mm-hmm. whim and the mercy of other people. Of I always think that, do. like yeah. people like Nick or, or other kind of people that come from comedy, it's like you probably have more of a say of your own career than most people because mm-hmm. you both have a backup where you can always say, "Well, I can always work. I can yeah, always yeah. go back on stage and do something." Mm-hmm. So it's always gonna. You always got that element of being able to do performance, and you can always just it. write for yourself. And yeah. Do a gig that night somewhere, and that's it. I think because that's what MIT taught us as well. Um, because I, I did a I did a course for it was it was about a month long course at Goldsmiths University. Um, and I think the main thing that I learned from that was like it's so much fun to just develop something with people who want to develop something as well. It sounds so kind of minimal, but it means so much to you hmm. when you. Um, when you, you've got an idea and you talk about that idea and then somebody else actually gives you another idea that you never even thought of. Mm. I love that. I love yeah, that whole absolutely. thing. That's the thing. I mean, so from a stand-up point of view, it's quite a lonely thing where you're coming up with your own ideas, you're mm-hmm. generating everything yourself and you have to get really nervous off the side of, in a club and then you have to go on stage by yourself and entertain a whole room from people and you come off by yourself and you go home by yourself. Mm-hmm. Not always. And then... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but then... Uh, it's, so it's one of those things where it's kind of like, ah, oh, and then... We, uh, I think with acting as well, it can kind of like you're preparing by yourself and then you're going in. And sometimes on film sets, it's kind of like quite... um uh, it can be quite confrontational at some point. So it can be kind of like very isolating where... Because um, uh, I come from a comedy background, so I would always tend to run through stuff with people mm-hmm. before you do it. Yeah. But when you're on set, it's just kind of like everyone's got to know their lines yeah. and then all of a sudden action and then you're doing it. Sometimes Maybe you'll one block take. it. Yeah. And, uh, but, and it's just kind of like, and, and kind of like you'll be chatting to someone, one of the other actors, and then all of a sudden they haven't even looked at a script, they haven't done anything, and they're mm-hmm. like, we're perfect. And you're just like going, oh my God, you fucking... Actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you've cheated me. You know, it's sort of like, I didn't, I didn't realise, you know, it's like, uh, it's like someone that says, oh, I haven't done any revision. And then they turn up mm-hmm. and then they absolutely nail their exam. And it's just yeah. kind of like, you're just like... And so it's kind of like quite isolating. So I'm always erring. I find everything quite intimidating and scary and overwhelming. So I always to the side of collaboration where it's just mm-hmm. kind of like let's just do this together and yeah. let's kind of like make it like 
um, a, a, a joint activity. That's it. Because my, um, my myself and uh, my my housemate and a, a couple of our a couple of our friends, we run a company called Gutter Street, and uh, we kind of kicked that off with a play that I wrote in. To, uh, September 2018 um, and then we've kind of do we do regular nights in, in Camden at the Green Note in Camden just to kind of k- keep that kind of creative fire burning just mm-hmm. so we've got something to work towards and then if one of us working we can take a step back and the other guys take more take the reins a bit more and it's just there for something so we've always got something to stimulate with mm-hmm. I think so, so. What, what's that then so so when you mm-hmm. say you've got a regular night because mm-hmm. like, again I'm coming from a sort of comedy background of going it, would that be the equivalent of like going to an open mic like a or a sl- new material night so, or a- so, um, so what we do it's kind of like a, a bi-monthly thing they're called Gutter Street Nights and we, we found the Green Note in Camden um, it was because uh, my housemate and his girlfriend had gone to a gig there and we we saw this we, they saw this space and we thought that it would be a kind of perfect evening for some new new uh, new ideas. What venue is this? The Green Note in Camden. Where is that? Um, it's uh, oh god, where is it? It's in, what's the street called? I'm so bad Don't, with like. Street yeah, I was to say the street. Where what <laughs> what shop is it near? It's uh, <laughs> but you know what it is. It's it's about two doors down from the Dublin Castle. If you know yes. where that oh, is. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. uh, near opposite the Peter Express. I think so. Yeah. I'm so bad. I, like, I don't know what's going on around <laughs> us half the time. Sure. But uh, but we um, we basically we do what the general premise is is we get kind of six artists who are like actor writers, poets, and musicians to write an original piece around a theme that we set. So for example, um, on Monday we've got an evening coming up, and that theme is chances. So we say write anything that you like around the theme of chances and then they have complete free reign over that. How did you come up with the names, the, the titles? We just uh, we just sit down, have regular meetings and we just kind of plan the next few nights and it's but just... But you're not like taking, you know, words out of a hat? No, 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 it's just... Because it's, it's just something that can... It's always something that can be quite broad, quite... Whatever this means to you, you create something from it and then they come and they perform it and we provide that space for them and then we'll have a bit of a pub quiz and then an open mic at the end of it. So if anybody is inspired by anything that they've that they've seen or read, they can come up and they can just maybe jot a few lines down and just say, I just wrote this in the interval and then perform it. And then it's really, really chilled out. That sounds incredible. Mm. It's cool. It's I didn't really, really know like, that was even a thing that happened. No, so no, I think of re- it like... It's like, because it is like an open mic, but it's not a case of like people come down and like oh god like, okay i'm on next i'm on next it's just they can get up if they want to and then we'll kind of we might have like a couple of people who are like we don't have any slots but you just you can just come down if they want to play a song bring a guitar we always have a guitar on hand so if anybody is does, hasn't brought the guitar and they want to get up and play a song then they can it, it is it's just a really kind of nice chilled out vibe um and so the next one is on monday um at the green note in camden Will you not be on stage on Monday? I will be. Okay. I, unfortunately, I can't be at that one, but I am going to go uh, from the theatre to okay. to Camden. That afterwards. sounds incredible. Good for you. Thank you. That's really that's really good. Um, sorry, and what, what I just the, think that that's brilliant. Yeah. What <laughs> are the What are the audiences like for that? Who comes along as? Do you, or is everyone there kind of in the arts or or kind of creative person? Or mm. have you got people that are just? I'm just audience. I'm just here to watch it and well, experience that, it. That's kind of what we were were after. It kind of it started off as very much 
our mates came along. Our mates came along and we sit and they supported. But then they started bringing their mates that we've never met before and then they started telling others about it so we started off with they've got a basement room and i think at full capacity including acts it's about 25 so overall oh, okay. Okay, it yeah, can yeah. be about 10 to 15 people in the audience um so people just get up and do the thing but then because we managed to sell out those nights uh they offered us the bigger room upstairs which i think seats about 60 so um and we sold that out as well so basically what what we do is it'll kind of be one month we'll do a bigger a bigger event in the room and that'll be like the gutter streets big event and then we'll kind of do smaller events in downstairs so we did we did a halloween event last last year we did a christmas event uh, the christmas event was really cool we did uh basically got five writers who've written forward before to retell a christmas carol and it was um it was just however they wanted to tell it and it didn't they didn't have to stick to the story it was just it was like it kind of stayed in the same vein as the 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 themes so um yeah kind of future present past Mm -hmm. all of that and like and and, and it was it got such a really really lovely response and they are something it's something you encourage audience along for it's like so if if people listening you'd love people to come along absolutely honestly yeah please please do come down um because it's such a it's such a lovely night and people who aren't even in the arts, because um, my my housemate who who runs it as well, he works at the science museum, and he and there's a big crowd who come down from the science museum, um, and they absolutely love it as well. So it's not just for people in the arts to come and just watch other people in the arts. It's for anybody who wants to come and just have a nice chilled out night, few drinks, and a bit of banter. That's great. That's uh, but that's what I'm talking about is like uh, self motivation and creating your own mm. kind of like work and yeah. your own kind of um, uh, taking sp- taking control of what what you're doing yeah. and not kind of like being dragged around and it's creating a sort of space where people can do something because I guess all these things are all things that could possibly develop into something yeah, else yeah. anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, the, but the arts is an industry where you um, where you, you do something and at, at first when you do it, mm-hmm. you're kind of like you're in complete control because you're kind of making your way, and then as soon as you get to a certain stage, mm-hmm. you you become a commodity and people start uh, telling you what you can and you can't do That's and start it. sort of like using you in ways that you don't particularly uh, f- think are fitting and then it kind of like you have to go back to kind of you know I know that when I do uh, whenever I do like any filming or anything like that it's always nice to go back to doing stand up because it's kind of like oh I'm in control of yeah. the stand up mm-hmm. but or or I write music and it's just like this is what I do I write the music and I go off and I do it and no one's kind of and then as soon as you mm-hmm. go into the, you know the idea of writing something for TV or it's all about kind of like, well, uh, how do you crop your idea in order to fit a certain uh, audience or a certain genre or a certain time slot? And it's kind of, well, we're aiming at pre-Watershed on Channel 4, mm. but you've also got to write a parallel treatment which is aiming at kind of like primetime BBC One mm. or it's going to be on Dave. or whatever. And it's just kind of like... Th- you're constantly adapting your ideas to fill a criteria as opposed to uh, just doing something that's sort of instinctive. That's it. And I think with, because what, with us, it, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about being at NYT and kind of de- like working collaboratively, co- collaboratively with other people who want to, who just want to create, really, because the play that I wrote, I wrote it and then my housemate had um, wanted to direct it and 
and so that gave him the opportunity to do that and then that and then he's now written his own play um i'm not much of a director myself but i'm kind of going to take like a production role on it kind of um and this, that's something that i've never done before so within this company we're, we're still kind of exploring like just different things that we've never tried before in the industry that we want to do so we can kind of recognize what people who work so hard in this industry are doing and gonna gain an appreciation for that even though it might not be our our jobs um we can look and respect people for what they are doing so is that what do you do you have like a plan or i suppose you can't really have a plan can you because you're just sort of mm. but do you know things you want to be doing in two or three years time or what um, you've kind of got a we've got some ideas uh, of what of where of what we'd like to do um we've got We'd like we'd ideally like some premises at some point. I think that's like kind of like further further down the road, uh, and we, we just want to keep going at the rate we're going at the minute because, like I said, we're selling out these these venues, and we we just want to write more, kind of do a, like create a bit of a season, um, and just expand our ideas on how we can help people create something and give them a platform from which to create it. I think. And how do people find out about these nights? What's the? Do you have like a website? We or do. A... We're, we're building a website at the moment. Okay. Um, my girlfriend is a stage manager. She uh, is. She's designing our website alongside my housemate, and he. Um, and we we also we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Okay. So anybody can give her a follow. It's Gutter Street. So and uh, Gutter Street Productions. Why are you called Gutter Street? <laughs> um, well, when we were marketing the play originally, it was just everywhere was asking for a name. Um, we, we just we couldn't just sell a play to people that wanted the like, company venues name. wanted a company name. So it kind of goes back to uh, an Oscar Wilde quote, um, which I'm probably going to misquote wildly and annoy people but it's some it's about uh, we're all in the gutter but we're all looking up at the stars yeah. right right um and we think that means so much because it is a place where people can feel at home and because it came from a place where obviously we're all we're all actors we're all just trying to work we're just trying to make our way in london uh, but we've still got our eyes on what we want to do and that's the kind of ethos that we're trying to promote in it so um so gutter street just seemed like like gutter street is the place where you come and sit and have a chat or sit and do and sit and write something or and you can just escape for a bit yeah that sounds great thank you um so you are uh, massively into the stone roses right i am we're stone roses t-shirt right now yeah <laughs> you're a fan of the stone roses mm -hmm. your favorite song is stone roses made of stone made of stone that's right um, so we'll play that now and then we'll chat to you about that don't listen uh but it's the uh, so, so always going to be alm um, always, almost always on the verge of being slick <laughs> and then, uh, and then it's I really good though. I mean, stumble like, at the last honestly, hurdle. I can't it, find on the, the run-up. It sounded like a proper so uh, yeah, proper we'll, radio. Uh, listen to that song, and then we'll talk to you about that. Yes. Nick and Nat's fan club on Fubar Radio. Uh, we're back. Um, that's not the Spanish one. The Spanish one? Oh, it's Stone Roses. No, they've ch changed our ident. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so how how old are you? How I'm 23. You? 23. Oh. So you've, when did you come to the Stone Roses? Oh, um, when I was probably about 
17 or 18. Okay. Yeah. I always find that interesting that they're such... To me, they're a band that are so of their time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, also... I was listening to Stone Roses when I was 17 or 18. Yeah, yeah we were all and the same so, age. So, but it's, do you know what I mean? It just makes you feel incredibly old, doesn't it? Yeah. it was, like, not to go on and on about it, but when we were making Uncle, the kid um, was sort of like uh, just getting into music. When mm. we started, he was 11. And then yeah. we were, he was like 15 or 16 yeah. when we started doing it. And it was Prime kind of like, influence in age. He was just like, oh, what, what sort of music are you listening to? And he said, oh, I've got my dad's old records. And you go, oh, yeah, what's that? He goes, Pulp. And you're just like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> my dad's old records were um, Beethoven. <laughs> like, old records. Um, yeah, sure. So, uh, Stone Roses, what, how did you first get into them? Um, I, th- I think it was just because uh, I really loved that whole kind of Manchester scene, that kind of like, influence that they had on music. So, I, I really, in- I just, I really enjoyed listening to. I think I had um, my mum had the the best of the Stone Roses. Um, and the or like the kind of yeah the um so she had that on CD and I, I think I just grew up listening to these songs right. and then not really appreciating it until actually listening to yeah, the yeah, sound yeah. that they created. What was their second album called? Do you know? I can't remember. Oh, is it the? Oh, the um... is it, is it not? Was that the one with Love Spreads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it called Love Spreads? I don't. I've no, just, it, I, it's the album called Love Spreads. I don't. What's it called? Second, Second coming. coming. I, did a, I did a film uh, uh, that's coming out soon uh, called Love Spreads, mm-hmm. and we filmed it at Rockfield Studios where mm-hmm. they recorded the second album, and they, it took them like two years to yeah. record, it was like 18 months, where they were all in this, it's this little f- converted farm in the middle of nowhere where basically they recorded Bohemian Rhapsody there, the, mm-hmm. the song, oh, right, okay. and uh, there's a wall that apparently... Uh, Noel Gallagher was sat on, and then he wrote Wonderwall based on it. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, kind of like it's this like it's in the middle of nowhere in Wales with all these rolling green hills, and it's this con- and uh, all of these barns are converted into recording studios, mm-hmm. and then there's sort of like um, this accommodation place where you've got kind of like a dining room with like eight bedrooms that all come off it, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, yeah, and we filmed there, and it was where the Stone Roses spent eighteen months trying to write their second yeah, album. Yeah. Um, yeah, fucking, it's a nice place there. I've just realised we have been speaking a lot about um, uh, the Gut Street stuff, but we haven't really spoken a lot about the play, which was your main yeah. reason for, for <laughs> coming uh, what's, in. What's the play about? Time and Tide. Yes. It's what's about, Time and Tide about? Yes, it's about um, it's a, about set in a little cafe in Norfolk, and it's set on the, over the course of a day, um, where all four characters are kind of experiencing their own individual change. Um, so my character Nemo, it's um, he is kind of humming and hawing about going off to university because he's a Norfolk born and bred lad and he wants to go and tread the boards in London. He's an actor, um, and he's and he's 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 kind of best mate Daz is um, he's struggling with that. He's struggling with his best mate leaving, and also the main uh, the, the owner of the calf may she is um, kind of battling about well, about moving to Suffolk or not and kind of sitting, selling on her business, the business that she owned, uh, that she inherited from her mom and she's worked there all her life. Um, and then there's Ken, the bread man, who kind of, he's, he's dealt, 
is just kind of he's coming to terms with his own feelings and this is the day that he's going to act on those feelings so it's it is it is it's about a kind of change and influence that these characters have on each other to bring them back down to earth almost like because it's very easy to overthink these things overthink these big decisions but you need the people around you to be able to go this is what's best for you and i know you're going to it, it might be difficult but it's you can only grow from it so it's like a crossroads play so it's everyone at the crossroads mm-hmm. and it's the day yeah, where it all yeah it all kind of comes to a head yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's a it's a really sweet script um i think there's some beautiful relationships in it yeah good and this runs till the 29th the 29th of february what is the date today the 21st. 21st, right. I've got no <laughs> idea. I've got no idea. I have to keep double checking. It feels like, it feels like the year has gone by so quick. Oh, that's what happens when you get old. Time. This is what it's going to be like, Josh. March is on. This is what it's going to be like in two, two years' time for you. This is where we are. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, so, uh, so you're a fan of Trainspotting. Is that the film, the book, or the play? All of the above. Oh right, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Is there one play, or is there, um, or do people constantly adapt it? Because I've I've seen Train Spotting as a play, mm-hmm. yeah, but I can't, and I think I've seen it more than once, maybe, but I don't, I can't remember whether it was the cast that was different or the fact that the entire mm-hmm. play was different. I, I think I think people tend to go off the Harry Gibson adaptation, right. um, so that's like the the one script that actually I I, I believe that came out before the. Film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was definitely uh-huh. one that was like cause it was a big play yeah. at that time. I remember, uh-huh. yeah, and I yeah. think the play isn't it? Is it? Is it you and Bremner who's renting? Bremner it? plays renting. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and then he obviously got brought on as. I think he was gutted at the time, wasn't it? I think there was a big thing at the time mm. that he was like, I "Can't believe it." What did you did you see Trainspotting too? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Were you not a fan? No. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I know people that do love it. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think it's I think it complements the first film so well. It's like, it's not kind of I don't think either could have made it quite contrived, but I think it is just these. It, it it looks obviously very different to the first one. I think the charm of the first one is the kind of ruggedness of it. Yeah. Um, and this one is a bit like obviously a bit more, but I think it's changed with the times, and I think that's a massive theme running mm. through it. And I think it, the captured that really, really well. My friend, my friend who I went to see it with is like a huge fan of mm-hmm. Irvine Welsh, uh, huge fan yeah. of the film, huge fan of the soundtrack, huge fan of the book, huge fan of the play. And he went to see Transporting Two, and he really loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and I was sat with him, and I just came out of it going, I didn't enjoy that. And then he was just like, oh, it was incredible. So maybe I need to sort of give mm. it another work. Maybe at the time there was sort of like a lot of um, hype around it. And mm. it's kind of difficult to... Because it's like... Trainspotting was such a huge film mm, when yeah. it came out. I, I, I quite like Trainspotting too. I haven't seen it since. Mm. And I guess it is a film about people who are 48 or whatever. It's mm. a lot... They're a lot different. Much different kind of thing. Mm. I think the thing I found a bit like jarring about it was when they try and do like their version of the scene from the first one and it's almost like why why would that happen again mm. or it's like we'll just do we'll do that bit from the first one again but now they're older yeah, so yeah. it has that constant kind of like almost that like running joke of like I think that, okay yeah, i just think that it was so it was and it was a nostalgic film yeah it was like the running theme of nostalgia running through it and that was like 
And I suppose if you could you could find it quite jarring if it's like, oh, is it nostalgia for the fans as well who like are just watching a like a duplicate of the scene that they they loved so much in the first one. But I think if they hadn't like cut it with different stills from even when they were younger from the time that the from the time of the first film even when they were kids it was like that that is a constant theme that's running through it so i think it does play into that kind of vibe as well which i love you've I'll definitely got a thing for the 90s haven't you yeah it's very yeah. 90s because I, mean, uh, uh, I mean like i remember i watched <laughs> i watched train spotting when i was about 11 for the first time and i loved it i loved it, it was like the first time i watched it i was like this is this is something else. I've never seen a film like it. And then I read the book years later. Um, and I think ever since, because there's, there's, there's five in the series. now. So there's like I've, I've read all of them. I'm a massive fan of Irvin Welsh as well. So what are the five? It's so there's Trainspotting Porno. Trainspotting Porno, Skag Boys... And then Blade Artist. Skag Boys is almost like Skag. <laughs> it's almost like a Irvin uh, Welsh spoof. Yeah. <laughs> Skag Boys, I think. Like I've 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 got a lot of love for Train Spot and I love the book as well. I do think Skag Boys is possibly one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Oh, okay, it is incredible. And then so there's, uh, there's yeah, so Skag Boys, the Blade Artist, and then Dead Men's Trousers, and that, that closes <laughs> it. Right. That's oh. a great title, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, but was it, so a lot of those must have been written quite recently then. Uh, I think the Blade Artist and Dead Men's Trousers were quite recently, but I mean, obviously, he's done a lot in between that but there's also stuff that sort of he's got sort of like a shared universe doesn't he mm-hmm. where, yeah. where there are, there are references to other things that don't necessarily mm-hmm. directly because when Trainspotting 2 was being made everyone thought it was going to be oh it's po- they're going to write do, porno, do porno yeah. but um but that's not what it. That's not what it is. They did a sequel. Yeah. But also, they changed so much from the book to make mm-hmm. it into a film, yeah. and so much from the play. And in in the movies. Uh, uh, Keith Allen in Trainspotting is meant to be the guy from Shallow Grave, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, they said that at the time really? that he's meant to be. He gets the money at the end, I never and that's that. when, if you watch him in the reverse order, it's when he goes to Edinburgh to uh, with the bag full of uh, cash. Oh, really? Right. Oh, that makes me. Yeah. Um, it was one of those. That another thing. Wow, that, another thing I've regurgitated from Empire magazine from <laughs> 1997. That's really cool. I yeah. did not. I didn't know that. No. I, I, that makes me want to watch Shirley Grave again. Mm-hmm. Great film, Shirley Grave. Brilliant. Mm. Uh, we should do the game, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, oh, we've got a game. This is a game. Uh, the game yeah. is called Better or Worse, and you just have to say whether the next person I mention is better or worse than the person before, based entirely on my own opinion. Okay. Beginning with Robbie Williams. Okay. Is Kristen Wiig better or worse than Robbie Williams, based on my opinion? Worse. Better. Who better. is this? Sorry? Robbie Williams. I'm, I'm sorting out my cabinet. Kristen, Kristen <laughs> Wiig. Is, is Robbie, Will- Robbie Williams yeah. better or worse than Kristen Wiig? Is Kristen Wiig better or worse than Robbie Williams? Better. Robbie Williams have got banned now. No. Yeah, really? Come on. Yeah. You really do like the you 90s. You love the 90s too much. <laughs> too much. Kristen Stewart, better or worse than Kristen Wiig? Uh, uh, worse. Yeah, probably worse. Yeah. I quite like her. Patrick Stewart, better or worse than Kristen Stewart? Better. 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 James Stewart, better or worse than Patrick Stewart? Better. 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 Yeah. James McAvoy, better or worse than James Stewart? Better. Worse. James McAvoy. He's all right. He's choice Ewan McGregor, better or worse than James McAvoy? Oh, mate. Uh, Um, Better. 
Uh, no worse. Oh, they're both oh, high cards. They're both, they're both good. High um, cards, Josh. I'm going to say better. I, I, I better. 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 Yeah. Paul Whitehouse, better or worse than Ewan McGregor? Better. Worse. Better. Paul Rudd, better or worse than Paul Whitehouse? Better. Worse. I'm not Paul doing very Newman, well. Paul Newman, better or worse than Paul Rudd? Paul Newman, better than Paul Rudd? <laughs> yeah, better. Better, yeah, better. yeah. Gary Newman, better or worse than Paul Newman? Worse. Better. Worse. Worse. Oh, worse. I like a bit of Gary Newman. Five. <laughs> five. It's a high card. Yeah, okay. Five. Five. Was it five? That. Five. Oh, right. Okay, well, do you know what? Um, <laughs> so you got Having five. You got yeah, five. So you join Original Flavour right at the bottom of the of the pile. Am I, am I last? Am I you're last? Joined you're last. joined last. Joined last. Oh, that's all right, then. Uh, you're not as good, unfortunately, as Tom Crowley, Reese James, Martin Julius, Romish, Rangan, Nathan with nine. Omar Alaboy, Paul Gannon, Nick Disemley, and Naomi McDonald, Dan Schreiber, Jasmine Therese with mm. eight. Kevin Allison, Joe DeCosta, Alistair Green, Lloyd Griffith, Max Halley, Harriet Kemsley, Kim Newman, Morgan McLean, Juliet Sear, The Last Skeptic, David Trent, David Williams, Mark Watson with seven, and Bronte Barbe, Jay Foreman, Will Jackson, and Ginger Johnson with six. But you are right there with original flavour. Lovely boys. Right. Nice. No, there's, there's, five. A, there's a pride in being last. I'll take that. Oh, okay. do you know what? You've got another four <laughs> slots and also um, yeah. uh, poor Sam Ashurst last year. I mean, what did he get? I had a nightmare. He had an absolute nightmare doing mm, the game. Absolute mm. nightmare. I think yeah. he was he just panicked. minus five. I think he I think had it something, was. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> incredible. He, started, he started answering things that we weren't even asking. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, so congratulations with the game. Thank um, you. Right, so you're in. Uh, so you're on stage every night tonight uh, at the Park Theatre mm-hmm. for the next seven days. Twice on Thursdays and Saturdays. Twice on Thursdays and Saturdays. But mm. how did you find that? That was great. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're doing what you love. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Okay, good for you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming in. Lovely, My pleasure. Lovely to meet you. Lovely Welcome to, talk to, to you. the club. Uh, and what we're going to play on the way out. Have we got anything lined up? Have we got what's this? DJ Airhorn? Have we got a song to play out on the DJ way DJ Airhorn? What's anal curly whirly? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Is that for our show? You haven't you haven't given us a song. This is the one time that we've wrapped it up on the have we not got, time. Have we not got David Essex's Ghostbusters? Oh my god, you've really let us down. Oh here. Natalie. Oh, oh. I mean, I'm, this is I'm the one sorry time about we've this, been, Josh. This is the one time we've been really professional and we've absolutely <laughs> nailed it. Anyway, without further ado, uh, I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm back next week. You're back next week. Yeah. Uh, you're not back. Next I'm not week. back. Not back next week. week no, no. But you, you are. Are you back next week? You're yeah, here good. Because you were come missing this time week. and tide. <laughs> yeah, go and see time and tide. Go and see time and tide uh, yeah. at the Park Theatre, Finsbury Park, mm-hmm. right next to the bowling alley. <laughs> You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.